Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, good morning. We're glad that you're here, and uh, we're excited about what God is doing. So y'all get the full load this morning, because I didn't get to preach in first service, so I saved it all up for y'all, okay? So, uh, yeah. Have you guys ever dealt with somebody that couldn't tell the truth? Um, they, they would tell white lies. They'd tell bold-faced lies. They'd tell outright lies. One of the worst things I remember in grade school that you could ever call anybody, and at least in my town, some of y'all have never heard this phrase before, but we, it, it was if somebody called you a fibber. Anybody remember? A fibber. You were telling fibs. Nobody liked you because you were a fibber, a storyteller. Then there are those people that are crazy. Some of y'all know some of those folks. Don't elbow the person next to you right now, but they're the person that the elevator didn't go all the way to the top. You know, they've got a few screws uh, loose. The, they're off the rocker. The cheese slid off of their cracker. Come on, y'all. Haven't y'all heard that one? It's a, and so most of us have dealt with folks in our lives that either lie or are a little bit crazy. But we've been talking about the fact that uh, we never really think about Jesus in those terms, but the people in his day did. In fact, I've reminded you that um, in Mark chapter 3, I'm not going to read it to you, but you'll remember that Jesus' own family, in Mark chapter 3, it tells us they tried to corral him and and take him away because they thought he was crazy. Uh, Then then we've been reading about what the religious leaders of that day, they felt the same way about Jesus. And and we've been reading it in uh, John chapter 8, verses 58 and 59. Uh, Jesus says this, he says, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. And at this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple ground. So the the church folks, the pastors, the the preachers of the day, the deacons of the day, the elders of the day thought Jesus was so cray-cray that they they start picking up rocks to throw them at him. They thought he was off his rocker because he made this statement. He says, before Abraham, I am. He's literally equating himself with God. It's the same phrase that God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush on the backside of the desert. I am that I am. It wasn't Popeye didn't say that first. It was God. He said, I am, I am. And Jesus is repeating it, and they think, this guy is crazy. They had to wrestle with his identity. That's what I've been trying to get you to do is to wrestle with Jesus' identity by these I am statements he makes. Uh, it forces us to do that. You'll remember I've been reading to you out of C.S. Lewis's statement that says this, you must make a choice. That's why we're doing this series right here is you are forced to come to some conclusion about who Jesus really is. Either he was a man, he was the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up. For a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Those are the only decisions, the only choices that we have. He's claimed, as we've talked about, he says, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. Last week, we talked about the fact that he said he was the gate and the good shepherd. And today, we talk about this statement that he makes in John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles... Turn to John chapter 15 and listen to what he says beginning in verse 1 down through verse 8. He repeats himself a couple of times. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Here he is again. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We, we uh, miss the startling context that Jesus has here. It's because we're not raised in Israel. We are not Jewish in our background. So we, we, we don't even catch the fact that this statement where Jesus says, I am the vine, was a startling statement to them. You say, well, why? Well, it's because every good Jew had been trained from the time that they're little, tiny, from a, a couple passages of Scripture, one in uh, Psalms that, that uh, t teaches this, and it's Psalm chapter 80, and one in Isaiah chapter 5, they have been taught all of their lives, according to Psalms, according to Isaiah, that Israel is the vine. If you ask a Jew who the vine is, they're going to say, Israel is the vine. Now Jesus shows up on the scene and he hijacks, if you will, he reinterprets, if you will, their understanding and he says, listen, let me tell you what the truth is. The truth is, is that Israel is not the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. And so he is saying, I am, this is what Jesus literally saying, I am the true Israel. Because Israel didn't fulfill everything that they were supposed to fulfill. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. I am inserting myself into the dialogue here, into the story here. And I am the vine and you are the branches. In other words, let me break this down for you. Jesus is literally doing this. He is saying to his disciples, this is why it was so startling. He's saying to them, you are no longer connected to God simply because you're Jew. Instead, what he's saying, your only connection now to God comes through me. Just because you were born Jewish no longer means that you have an instant connection to God. Jesus says, now what I want you to understand is you've got to refocus your identity, your allegiance, and understand that it is because of me that you are connected to the Father. That is a startling statement. And it's the same understanding that we must come to that Jesus is the reason and our only way to get connected to the Father. So Jesus is addressing our connection. There's a couple things we need to understand here that um, Jesus is trying to teach us a difference between a, a connection and an attachment. I want you to catch that. Connection gives you power. Attachment sucks the life out of you. Jesus is declaring that our connection to God can only be found in and through him. Literally what he's saying is this. Whatever flows from God flows through me, the vine, and it flows to you, the branches. Jesus is making this claim. He's the delivery system. 
He's what delivers the power of God, the life of God, the healing of God, the relationship with God comes down through Jesus to us. That's why uh, we need to understand that a lot of us are attending church week after week after week after week, and yet we, don't, we, we would testify. If I handed you the mic this morning, you would testify and say, I don't feel any stronger. I don't feel any more power. I don't feel any more life. I don't feel any more joy. I'm not experiencing any more peace. And it's simply because you have become attached to church, but you've never become connected to Jesus. There's a difference. We're attached to Christian teachings and lifestyles, but we're not connected to Jesus. And then we wonder why we aren't experiencing any flow of power. It's simply because we're attached, we're not connected. Uh, we, we must come to an understanding that Jesus is, is the vine. The church is not the vine. Christian teachings are not the vine. Christian lifestyle is not the vine. Your Christian friends are not the vine. Jesus alone is the vine. And you must stay connected. You must be connected to him. It's what produces life. One guy uh, studied, I think it's, a, it's, it's revealing. I just came across this and it just hit me. One guy studied uh, movements of God. We all want to be a part of a movement of God. And he, he began to study and try to figure out why they happen. Why do certain moves of God happen? This is what he, he discovered. He says he discovered that movements of God start when the founder knows Jesus deeply. Somebody gets in touch with Jesus, gets connected to Jesus, gets hungry for Jesus, gets intimate with Jesus, knows Jesus, and all of a sudden this movement is launched. Then he started questioning, well, then why do movements die? This is his conclusion. The movement dies when the followers only know the founder. That is the difference between attachment and connection. And what Jesus is declaring to us through this passage and through his claims is it's not enough for us to just be attached to a founder of a movement. It's not enough for us to be attached to a pastor who knows Jesus. It's not enough for us to worship with a worship team that knows Jesus. It's not enough for us to go to a youth group where the youth pastor knows Jesus. We must be connected individually with Jesus. If we could get genuinely connected, then we would soon discover that everything that flows through the vine flows through and to the branches. In fact, uh, the same power. Come on now, we're almost at Easter. We, we, we like to quote it. I'm just not sure we, we, we always live it. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. Where does it dwell? In us. Why does it dwell in us? Because it came down from the root to the vine into the branches. And what raised Christ out of the tomb on Easter is the same power. That same power, if we're connected to the vine, flows in and through us. Vine to branches. In fact, Paul weighs in in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, and he says it like this. He says, if we are his children, then we are his heirs also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. So even Paul weighs in and says, look, everything that should have gone to Christ is now going to Christ and through Christ into us. And all the juices that enter through the root to the vine pass to the branches. In fact, let me just state this for you so you'll understand. Whatever's coming out of you reveals what's coming into you. 
If you want a revelation of whether or not you're connected to Jesus, just watch what's coming out of you. Watch your Facebook feed. Watch your conversations. Watch your Twitter feed. Watch your Instagram. Watch the way you treat your spouse. Watch the way you're treating your, 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 your dog. And we, we know you treat your cat bad, bad, bad but, but they deserve it. So, but, but whatever's flowing out of you is a revelation of whether or not you're connected to Jesus because if you're connected to Jesus, what's flowing to him flows into you. So we, we, Jesus is causing or, or, or asking and forcing us to check and evaluate and assess our connection, our identity, our allegiance. Our life must be connected to him to, a, to the point that nothing and no one can come between that connection. Can I just tell you, I, just to be straight up honest with you, huh? uh, we're, we're almost 15 years into this. I guess in August we'll be 14 years old. Is that right? 14 years old as a church? Or is it 15? It's 14, isn't it? 14, almost 14 years old as a church. And I am still amazed, even after all these years, I'm still amazed how many people allow things and people to interrupt connection. This is how it, gen, this is how it gen, uh, kind of happens, typically happens. It's like this. Um, Pastor, I need you to help me pray. I, I need God to send me a relationship. I've been in bad relationships. I need a good relationship. And so we pray together, and lo and behold, God sends a relationship. But now, because they got a good relationship, they don't need Jesus anymore. Oh, come on now. See, I didn't get to say none of this stuff in the first service, so they feel good. They're at home feeling good right now, but I'm, I'm beat up on y'all a little while because I can get to beat up on them. Uh, but, but, or we'll pray like, Pastor, Pastor, we need you to pray. We need a good job. I need a good job. This job that I've got is killing me. It's not sufficient. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, new job. And all of a sudden, they're no longer connected because they don't need him anymore. I, 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 God, I, I need you to, I, I, I need you to send me peace. I, I, but Pastor, could you pray? I'm, I'm, everything's in turmoil. My life is in chaos. It's all, it's, it's crazy. Can you pray for peace? We spend some time in prayer and we pray for peace, and all of a sudden you, you're overwhelmed with peace, and you disappear because now that there's no turmoil, you don't need him anymore. That's attachment. True connection transitions to this place. It tr transitions to where I need thee every hour. It doesn't matter if the hour is good. It doesn't matter if the hour is bad. It doesn't matter if the hour is perfect. It doesn't matter if uh, the hour is hell on earth. The hour doesn't dictate, doesn't diminish, doesn't determine my need of you. I need you every hour of my life when I have everything I want. When I have nothing that I want. When everything's right. When everything's wrong. When I'm winning. When I'm losing. I need you. That's true connection. What sustains you? Cars, friends, house, food, drink. What satisfies you? Is, is it shopping? Is it hunting? I said that one for me. Is it, is it clothes? Is it applause? Because the truth is, is if you do not remain in Christ, then you're like a branch that has been 
fallen off and is thrown away and thrown into the fire. It withers. Can I just submit to you what I've discovered? That all of that other stuff that I just mentioned withers. Haven't you experienced that? You go, you go to the car lot, get the car of your dreams, you pull out of the parking lot, and it withers. Like in the first hailstorm, it withers. When you get the, the understanding and you mature a little bit and understand that as soon as you drove it off the lot, it diminished in value and it'll never be worth that much again. It withers. Relationships wither. Pastimes wither. The only thing that sustains us, the only thing that satisfies us is a true and genuine connection with the vine. Our identity can only be found in him. He alone is the source for the fruit of God in our life. No branch can, he says it like this, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. The fruit of the Spirit comes from the Father through the Son into us. You cannot produce these things on your own. They're the fruit of the Spirit. They're not the fruit of Steve. They're not the fruit of Julie. They're not the fruit of Andrew. They're not the fruit of Catherine. They're not the fruit of Jeff. They are the fruit of the Spirit. The only way for you to have the fruit of the Spirit. Well, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, sound, mind, self-control, patience, all that other good stuff that we don't ever talk about hardly anymore. It doesn't seem like. All of that can only come from one place, the vine. You can never get that stuff operating on your own. The second thing Jesus does in this passage is he's trying to get us an understanding that there's a difference between the farmer and the vine dresser. See, in fact, he says it like this. He says, he says, since you're mere attachments, he doesn't use that word, but he talks about branches that fall off. Mere attachments, they, they don't allow the juices to flow, so the attachments get cut off. Right? They get cut off because there's no fruit. They don't fall off. They get cut off. We don't understand this. This, this doesn't fit in our culture. Our culture is a farming culture. This is how farming works. You know this as well as I do. Doesn't matter whether or not you grew up in the city. Doesn't matter. I grew up in West Oklahoma out in the middle of nowhere. It doesn't really matter. I don't know much about farming, but I know this just as well as you do. The farmer plants in some seasons and reaps in other seasons, right? You don't plant in the middle of winter. I don't think you do anyway. I think, I, I don't know when you plant. You plant when you're supposed to plant. Farmers seem to know. I don't know how they know. I just know they know. They know when they're supposed to put the seeds in the ground. Well, they don't go back one week later and reap. There's a season that must go past and then they reap, right? That's farming. Everybody understand farming? Say yes. Okay, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is not operating or approaching from a farming standpoint. He's operating from the standpoint of a vine dresser. What we need to understand is this. A vine dresser is working the vine, examining the vine, cutting on the vine, pruning the vine in every season. Let me say it like this. There is no off season for the vine dresser. There's never a moment in raising or, 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 or dealing with vines that you just get to sleep in and call it a day and I don't have to deal with the vine. Every day, there's not a season off. There's never a season. There's never a moment where, where they're not working on the vine. There's no wasted season. There isn't a missed season. The vine dresser is constantly, moment by moment, day by day, dressing the vine. So what's Jesus trying to tell, tell us? He's trying to teach us that our Father is working on us constantly. There's no off-season. In fact, did you know this? I didn't know this. 
that if you're raising vines, uh, grow, I don't guess you're right, growing vines, that it takes three to five years before they ever produce any fruit? So, so what, what, what's the vine dresser doing? Is he sleeping in because I've just got to wait three to five years? No, he's out there working on the vines. There's never an off season. There's never a wasted season. He is using every situation, every challenge, every moment to work together for the good of the branch so that it will get the nourishment, the correction, the adjustment that it needs so that it will produce the maximum amount of fruit. There is no forgotten season for you. I know so many people feel like this season's been a forgotten season. This season's been a wasted season. This season's been an incredibly long season. This season has been a brutal season. And we, we, if we don't understand what Jesus is saying here, then we can come to the conclusions that he forgot about us. That this wasn't part of the plan. That he wasn't in control. But Jesus is saying he is still out there working on us. He is constantly, check this out, paying attention to you. Why does he dress and work the branches? He works the vine for growth. In fact, he says he cuts, he prunes. In other words, what Jesus is saying is growth matters. He's saying that apathy or stagnation is unacceptable. And then he makes this statement. He says, my father cuts branches off. We don't like that. I know very few people that when you start talking about the fact that God cuts us, that he prunes us, they get all excited. I'm so glad he's cutting on me. No, we, we view cutting and pruning as a negative thing. But I want you to understand that the word that, that Jesus use here, uses here for the word cut, which in English we translate it cut, but the word can mean something else. It means to lift up. To elevate. Jesus is telling us that our Father, the vine dresser, is cutting on us to lift us up, to elevate us. He removes, in other words, He is removing things for our good. He is building us up rather than trying to hurt us. Too many of us are living, are trying to pray things back that, that he's cut off. We're trying to hold on to things that he's cut off. We're, we're begging for him to give us things that he's cut off, not understanding that he's the vine dresser. He's trying to raise us up and lift us up. I watched a, a video, because uh, I know nothing about vines. I, just, uh, I watched this video. Uh, this guy was working out in the, in the vineyard, and there were vines on the ground. And I was like, well, that's fine. I mean, they're not real tall anyway. Just leave it there. But he showed a, a video of a, a vine that had grown. It was like, um, I don't know, 60 feet long. No fruit. It was on the ground. No fruit. So he cut it off. And he said, the reason I'm doing this is if I don't cut that thing off, that the reason it's not producing any fruit is because it's on the ground, it is susceptible to disease and pests. And he said, if I don't cut it off, then what happens is the disease and the pests that are on that part of the vine will now come up and infect all the other branches. So what Jesus is saying is this, is that, 
You would have never been above their level if he hadn't cut you off, cut them off. Jesus is trying to teach us that if he hadn't removed them from your life, they would keep you grounded. That, that, that without cutting, there could be no elevation. So oh, if you're on the ground, you're susceptible to the disease and the pests that are flowing through their life. So he cuts those things off. He cuts those people off. He cuts that thing off out of your life that's trying to keep you grounded. He's trying to raise you up so that you can grow. How many of us are susceptible to pests simply because we won't let him prune us? There, there are things in our lives that are fruitless. They're joyless. They're peaceless, and if he doesn't cut them off, they steal the life, and they steal the love, and they steal the nutrients that were intended for you. Jesus goes on, and he says, the vine dresser prunes you. Do you know what the word prune? I hate the word prune. I don't know if it's because I know what a prune is, but I know what the fruit is, and I'm not real thrilled with it, but, but uh, I don't, it just sounds bad, doesn't it? You're pruned if you do, pruned if you don't. I don't want somebody pruning on me. Pruned. I don't like prune, all right? But do you know what the word prune means? To cleanse. Listen. If he cuts us, he cuts us to grow us. And the truth is, is if you aren't being cut, then you aren't growing. His, he, the, the, the good news this morning is that he's the vine dresser, so he's precise in his cutting. He doesn't cut too much. He doesn't cut too little. He's like a surgeon. He cuts just enough, just enough to remove the disease, just enough to get rid of the pest, just enough to get rid of the distraction, just enough to get rid of their, dis their dismay, just enough to get rid of the depression they bring into your life, just enough to get rid of all the, the devastation they bring. He cuts precisely, but he cuts, he cuts, he cuts. And I just came to tell you this morning that in every season, He's pruning us. And any God authored, any God allowed pain or discomfort is part of the process of growth. And if we fight it and we escape it or we ignore it or numb it, then we miss the good that comes out of it. I want to challenge you this morning that I know that it hurts when God is cutting on us and removing people from our lives and moving things from our lives. And we want to, we want to cry and say, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. And we want God to bring it but, but stay under the knife. If you want to grow, you've got to stay under the knife. If you want to mature, you've got to stay under the knife. If you want to bear all the fruit that he wants you to bear, you've got to stay under the knife. He's the vine dresser. He prunes, he cuts to lift us up. Because on the other side of the cutting, did you hear what Jesus said happens? You bear more fruit. Some of y'all are pretty fruity. But are you fruity enough? What, what if Jesus removed that one person from your life that keeps you discouraged what if you allow Jesus to remove that one distraction that you enjoy so much that you, what, what if you allow Jesus to prune the undisciplined areas of your life out of your life? What if Jesus was allowed to step in and cut this, 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 this habit out of your life? On the other side, you would produce more fruit, but you've got to stay under the knife. You've got to stay under 
the knife. The cutting forces us to check our connection to him. I just want to challenge and encourage you this morning that this is not a forgotten season. He's working on us in every season. I just want to encourage you this morning if maybe you're in the middle of a season where you're being pruned, where you're being cut, he's not wasting this season. He's working this season. And he works all things together for our good to produce more fruit. Father, I pray this morning that what you would do. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.